You took all of our sins that we and our family members will never be apart from you, Father. We thank you for changing our lives and forgiving us for all of our sins. We praise you for this day because you took our place and family member place on the cross that we can continue to come to you boldly. Kind Father, in Jesus' name, teach us as an adult that we can trust and come to you like a childlike faith. Oh, yes, God. You will receive us and answer our requests. Forgive yeah, us yes, for yes. our sin of omission mm-hmm. and commission. Father, yes, I'm covering yes. myself, the listeners, and our family members with the blood of Jesus, that we will yes. not get any backlashes from this prayer in Jesus' name. Father, prepare yes. our heart and mind to receive Hallelujah. your rhema word or whatever yes. you have placed in your servant heart to give us. We said, yes, yes Lord. We accept yeah, yeah. Continue to bless your servant for giving us the word of God that we yeah. need in Jesus' name. Also, yeah. Father, continue to give him favor with everyone he needs favor from. In Jesus' yeah, yeah. name I pray. Thank you, Father. Yeah, yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to you. Amen. Thank you, yes. Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Good afternoon, everyone. At 3 o'clock, to come like this for a service is just amazing. And I was just sitting down to think, like, when did we get started with all these things? It was actually this very same day, last year. So it's almost like a year has gone by where we've been coming regularly on Sunday mornings after the the last Good Friday service. That's when we got started on this journey. So a lot of good memories, a lot of, uh, uh, you know, message that, that and the meditations we have shared over this year. And uh, so I'm praying that, you know, God will just like, uh, you know, dig deeper into our hearts in the days and months and years to come as well. But what is amazing to me, as, I, as we go into this service, is that the timing of God is so amazing. The, the thing is like, you know, sometimes we, we tend to do certain things, and uh, the, the, the outcome of that stuff, we expect out of the work that we do. But really, when God is in it, He's into the details of everything that we are dealing with. For example, like a couple of uh, months ago, like uh, on the first week of February, we started to meditate on the tabernacle, the the furnishings of tabernacle. We we started to talk about like uh, the Ark of the Covenant, and then we went into what is inside the Ark of the Covenant, and then we went into mercy seat, where the blood was sprinkled by the high priest. And then we came out of the Holy of Holies into the holy place where we actually, you know, looked at the table of showbread. We looked at the lampstand uh, and the seven lamps on it. And 
for the last couple of weeks, we've been meditating on the altar of incense as we finish the holy place and come out to the outer court, which is where the brazen altar is. This is the first place that the people would see something happen. When, when they come into the tabernacle, this is the first place. And it so happened that meditation of like a coming to that outer court happened to be on a Good Friday. Isn't that amazing how God just like works all these things together? Today, what we're going to do, I've seen like so many of these messages and looked at, you know, the Good Friday messages. I've heard like a lot of this was circled around like, you know, the seven phrases or sentences that Jesus said when he was on the cross, right? And the, and the thing is this, the cross symbolizes like in those days, what was happening in the cross and the death on the cross and the, and the suffocation that happens on the cross, it makes it really difficult for someone to speak, right? But the Bible records at least seven statements that Jesus made when he was on the cross. He was actually hanging on the cross for six hours, right? And the, the, the final moment when the, uh, when the veil was torn, when the earthquake happened, and that there was just this uh, huge sound that, that just like, uh, you know, where the, the earth was like, uh, you know, responding to what was happening, that was exactly around the, the, the 3 o'clock time that we are in. That's the ninth hour. Um, and, the, and the way that the calendar in Jesus' day that worked was the zeroth hour is 6 a.m. in the morning. So when you hear the Bible say the third hour, that means like a 9 a.m. in the morning. And if it says like a sixth hour, that's 12. And when it says ninth hour, it's about 3 o'clock like what we have right now. Right? So we picked this time to just like a meditate on all the things that happened leading up to this point. And, and what was Jesus doing? What was Jesus saying from the cross? Tells us why he actually went to this brazen altar. The, the thing is that, you know, when he was on the cross, right, there are like the, these seven things that I've heard, like so many amazing messages um, were formed, like, you know, and it was also arranged chronologically. And we're going to pick just like a one piece of this verse today as we meditate. But the first thing after what they did to Jesus, right? So I'm going to go into a tiny bit like a gruesome um, and, and, and the, the nature of like a, what we are dealing with at this moment in time. Jesus has been um, exhausted like, a, you know, was almost like a nearly a whole night of torture that has happened. And, and I was uh, um, reading from a material that, uh, you know, Rick Renner, one of the amazing authors, has written about this whole night, what happened, and, uh, you know. So here he says, no death was more scandalous than the death on the cross. Such a death was dreadful and hideous and designed to discredit and tarnish the memory of the one dying. 
that's exactly what the Romans wanted to do. They want to erase the memory of any good thing that Jesus has done. They took a pride in, in the way in which they were punishing somebody. Right? So when they have done everything that they could, someone actually put like a, you know, a, a cloth on Jesus' face and they were just like a coming around beating his face and asking, now tell us who did this. And in fact, like they beat him 39 times with that leather belt that had nails on it. And they were just like, you know, were so cruel and gruesome that they wouldn't want Jesus to die. The 40th blow would take his life off. And this is, they've already mastered this, this cruel uh, uh, treatment or scorching, right? So they would actually beat somebody 39 times because they know the 40th time that this person's body will tear apart. And so they have done that part. They have spitted on his face. They have actually put a crown uh, that was made with with a nail-piercing, um, you know, uh, crown that they, they were just like a putting on his head and they were pushing it down and it was bleeding. So all of these things have already happened. In fact, when Jesus was like, a, I don't know how many of you have watched this movie, um, uh, Passion for the Christ, um, Mel Gibson's movie, and there was like a, a scene, uh, you know, where it was about like a, to, uh, you know, put the nail and they start to, you know, pierce through his wrist. Right, and uh, what they do is like uh, they first nail the wrist to the cross, and then they dig a hole, and they just like a you know push the cross vertically down into the hole, and when they push it down, the body starts to dangle on that cross, and they pull that feet together, and then start to nail, right. When I saw that, you know, I couldn't even open my eyes to see how much they were, you know, pushing Jesus to go through at that moment in time. I really want to close my eyes. Jesus, this is how much he has went through with these guys. They took his, his dress out and he, actually it is the, the Catholic Church which actually put the, some dress on his body, but he was naked when he was on that rugged cross. They took everything out. They stripped him out, right? And they just like a beat him. They were just like a tearing down his, you know, body. And the first thing that came out of Jesus' mouth was this. He was pleading, making an appeal to the Father, saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. This was the word that showed up on that cross. The very first thing that Jesus said, he was appealing, he was praying to the Father, saying, Father, they didn't know this. What the plan that you have, even before the foundations of the earth, God knew what was going to come, and so he was pleading on their behalf. The second one that Jesus said, when he was on the cross, there were two thieves that were on both sides of the cross. And uh, one's name is Dismas, 
and the other one is Gestus. These two thieves' name is not even a matter in the story, right? But because one of those two was just like a pleading with the other over the innocence of Jesus, Jesus gives a look at that thief and says, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. And the thing is this, this is Luke chapter 23, verses 43. In fact, in the original text, this was written by Luke to the Greek audience. They didn't have any punctuations. In fact, this is one of the most controversial statements recorded because people doesn't know how to interpret this. And there was no uh, punctuations. So you could read this as truly, I say to you, come on, today you will be with me in paradise. What that means is like I'm saying to you, by the time everything is over, I'm going to go to paradise and you will be with me. But if they take the comma and put it after the word today, this is how it's going to read. Truly I say to you today, comma, you will be with me in paradise. That comma, placement of comma before the today and after the today has actually caused so much of doctrinal differences between the Catholic Church and the, and the Pentecostal and the Evangelical Churches because of the purgatory and the paradise and everything. But the truth of the matter is not any of those things. Jesus, even at the point of the cross, he was showing grace to that thief, saying to him, no matter what happened, I'm giving you an assurance. I'm giving you a bond written down right now. You will not spend your eternity in hell. I've actually, you know, going to extend my grace upon you for the nice thing that you said right now in front of this other guy. Right? Then he's still hanging on the cross right now. And this moment in time, it's already a couple of hours. He's just like a hanging there. He must have just like gone up so that he can just like grasp a little bit of air for his lungs. He's just like lifting himself, using any power that he's left. He is really on pain. And, and right at that moment, he's just like a, he's just lifting his body to just like get some little bit of air. He sees his mom standing there. And he says, in John chapter 19, it's recorded 26 and 27. Woman, behold your son. Behold your mother. He is just talking to John because the Bible says that only one of the two apostles showed up under the cross. And the Bible says he is the one Jesus loved. The only identifying factor from that verse is just like a pointing to John. Jesus is talking to John because among all the things that are recorded there, John's the only one recording this particular thing because nobody else was there in that moment to know what was said from the cross. Right. And he recorded the fact that Jesus, even in the midst of all that pain, excruciating pain, he was thinking not about himself, but about the well-being of his mother. 
he was showing the depth of his love for his mom as he was looking at her from the distance. What I need to take care of her. Then, this is the, the moment, the ninth hour. This is exactly this moment, three o'clock around, comes around. There is like a two Gospels records that Jesus was saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Both Matthew and Mark has recorded this one. Eli, Eli, la mastabashatni. I mean, he was just like a really screaming from the bottom. Of, he was asking, God, like this is an abandonment. This is just like a God. You know, this, there's going to be a moment where, you know, he's cut off from the communication from God. It wasn't a pain. That was just causing him to, to, to just like a go after that. But instead, he was just like, a, you know, seeing the separation between him and God for a brief moment. And he turns around and he says, I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty. I'm in agony. There's this whole thing of like, a, you know, not having any... Uh, you know, breath and the tongues are dry, right? And he's just talking about like a, exactly the same thing that's recorded in Psalm 69, 21. For, they, for my thirst, they gave me vinegar to drink. Hence, this, this whole thing is just like a fulfilling right now. Jesus is saying, I'm thirsty. And these Roman soldiers were so cruel that they just like a put vinegar in his mouth, right? And, and, and the, the, the psalmist even records it. My palate is drier than the pot shred and my mouth is stuck to my jaw. That's how, you know, it was prophesied even before. And Jesus in his agony was looking for water. And then the Bible says, it is finished. This is the final thing that Jesus said, um, you know, before he just gave his, you know, breath away. And the thing is this, this word, people think like, oh my God, he's been beaten so hard. He has fell down on his way to Golgotha. He was just like, a, you know, done with all these things. But the word that Jesus used at this moment in time says, Telestai. Telestai. This is, this is not any other word. Like this is the word that was carefully chosen by Jesus. These words were not coming out of a man who was worn out on that rugged cross. But instead, the people in that moment in time that were watching this, whole thing happened. They actually know what Jesus was saying and the richness of this word that he was saying. In English, it is so light. Some of the words in English are so light to explain. But in the original text, where it says, Telestai, he was saying, it is finished. Today, we're going to spend a little bit of time in this one.
the Jewish people that were watching this from the crowd knows what this word means because that was one of those words used very commonly in that time of the history. The people know instantly what that reminded them was what happens in the brazen altar. They go through this every single year on a Jewish holiday called the Day of Atonement. During that time, the high priest would enter into the temple and make a special sacrifice for the sins of the people of Israel. As soon as the priest had killed the animal, he would emerge, he would come out from that place of sacrifice, and he would declare to the waiting crowd, Telestai, kissing, it is finished. In this sacrifice that Jesus was making, all the sins of Israel were symbolically placed on the lamp that was killed and punished in their place. That's what the high priest would do every single year. Once a year, they bring this lamp and they would sacrifice this lamp for that particular person or the nation that they would sacrifice this lamp and after that, the, the high priest would say, it is finished. The Bible teaches that sacrificial system that was introduced to, to Moses at the brazen altar was never really complete or finished because the sacrifice of that lamp was imperfect and temporal. But when Jesus died on the cross, he became the perfect and the final sacrifice for your sins and my sins. That's why when Paul writes in Hebrews chapter 9, he says, he did not enter, Jesus did not enter by the means of the blood of the goats or calves, but he entered the most holy place once and for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. In verse 26, he says, but now he has appeared once and for all at the end of ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. So by saying Telestar, what Jesus is saying is, you know, he's signaling to the Jewish world there is no more need of the sacrifice in the temple because the work of ultimate fulfillment of what needed to be offered for your sins and my sins are done. There is no more sacrifice needed because he is the ultimate sacrifice. And another reason why those people would use the word telestai is like when they finish a, a work. When a work is complete that is given to them, when an employee completes their work, day's work, or finished a project, if they are building a, 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 you know, a temple or building a, a house, when they're finished, they come back to the boss with a final word that says, Telestai. This was to signal that whatever it was that was assigned to them is now complete. When the artists, when they take time 
to build these sculptures. If you go to Europe, you can see sculptures everywhere in Europe. There were so many artists out there, right? And, and they take months and months and months and months. And finally, you, you can never take an artist and say, are you done with your work? No, they're continuously working and working and working. But they come to a place when they complete that piece of art and they're ready to show to the world to remove that, you know, a cloth or a towel or a linen that they put on their sculpture. When they invite people, they would declare, Palestine, Jesus is using this very same word from the cross. This was, you know, when the artists were doing all these work, they were just like a signal that a masterpiece is complete. No more touch-ups are needed. No more adjustments are needed. Everything that needs to be done is done. When Jesus came to this earth, he was given only one assignment to complete. To bring home every one of us and link us back into an eternal life. He had like only one job description to provide salvation to this lost and broken world. And Luke chapter 19, 10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. If we take like the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation, the whole plan was to salvage the human salvage every single one of us to, so he can take us into heaven. And so in his last words, Jesus was communicating from that cross. He was looking at the heaven and telling his father, I have finished what you have tasked on me. The salvation for everyone that is standing there is all complete, not only for now, but for generations to come. There is no more additions, no more adjustments are necessary for the salvation. It is fully done. And another reason why the people in those days used the word telestai are, are when, like the accountants, when they give mortgage, when they give loans to somebody, they they actually start to collect the mortgage. They start to collect the payment for their loans. And when they have paid off all of the money that they have been loaned, they issue a certificate. They issue a receipt that was stamped with the word Telestai. That means the debt is now paid in full. This was like a, a verification letter that they no longer are responsible for this debt. That everything that they owed was completely and permanently paid off. When the Bible says our sins were paid off and, and there is no more debt that is needed to be paid off. We don't need and we don't have what it would take to pay off what we are going through. But Jesus says, you don't need to. And in fact, in the book of Hebrews, 
When Paul writes, he says, our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand. When that, when sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. It is finished. All that word that he was saying to the people at this moment in time, when he said, like, tell us, Ty, what Jesus was saying, what Jesus was communicating to them is the truth. He wasn't saying from the cross that he is finished. He wasn't saying like, a, oh, my God, I just walked all the way here into this place, and, and, and I am done with this. That's not what he's saying. This is the words of triumph. I was just like watching this video this morning that was taken from the very place where this thing happened in Golgotha. This is the place of skull. This is the place where Jesus was just like crucified. This is the reason why they even named this place as Golgotha is because uh, the Christian authors as well as uh, many historians believe that this is the very place uh, Adam was actually buried. Right underneath uh, that place where Jesus was actually, you know, erected that the cross was just like, a, you know, put down. Right? And when that earthquake happened, there was like a, a big, you know, crackling sound that happened and that right underneath that surface of where Jesus was crucified, there was a bedrock. And that bedrock was broken. If you, if you know any of these, like the scientific facts about this bedrock, people would love to build their building when they find the bedrock. But here... That bedrock was broken. And it is very symbolic that drop of his blood pierced through that bedrock all the way to Adam. That the sins that were beginning to come into this earth was finished when Jesus said, Tell us, No more curse. This doesn't mean, like, you know, uh, that, that there is not going to be temptation. This, this doesn't mean that, you know, we don't have uh, any trials or tribulations, but here's what Jesus is establishing. He is establishing an authority over that, you know, the, the, the lost life. So he is just like a giving every one of his believers an authority to stand upon the cross, the authority to stand upon the blood when he said the final words come out of his mouth, when he said, Telestai, what he was doing is like a, he was just like a putting his trust on the, you know, on the Father to, to just let him know that this is no longer required. The brazen altar and the sacrifices on the brazen altar is no longer required. If only 
if only the high priest, Caiaphas, was not involved in the death of Jesus, right? Because the Romans have crucified, Romans have like killed so many people up until this point. They have, this Jesus wasn't the first one that was crucified in that sorrow. But here's what is the difference. Because the high priest, Caiaphas, was involved in telling Telestai the night before what was an execution is now turned into a sacrifice that's laying on that altar. And the thing is this, all we need to do right now is to put our trust in the finished work of Jesus. We can rest in confidence of our salvation and pursue that God with our entire whole heart. God's plan and purpose is fulfilled on that cross. The cross wasn't an afterthought. It wasn't like that Jesus was like a nail to the cross because the Romans didn't like it. It was there planned from the beginning, from the foundations of the world. This was already planned. That's why in First Peter chapter 2, it says, when it's talking about Jesus, Peter is writing, the precious blood of Christ as a lamp without blemish and without spot. He indeed were foreordained before the foundations of the world was manifest in these last days for you. This is talking about like a Jesus going to that cross. It wasn't Judas who caused Jesus to go to the cross. It wasn't the Roman soldiers. It wasn't the high priest. It wasn't the, the, the Jewish people. It wasn't the, 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 uh, you know, the ones that showed up uh, in front of Pilate who just like told him to crucify. It wasn't any of those things. God has predestined that Jesus would you know, have a final say in the human race. The final say in the human race, God knows when he put the foundations on this earth, he knows this men and women in this earth are going to separate themselves from him. He knew when the foundation was laid that Satan will re rebel and cause revolt. He knew when, when the earth was formed that all along there is a plan for redemption and salvation is needed. The cross is about the salvation of mankind. Every promise, every prophecy was fulfilled when Jesus said, tell us die. When they gave a vinegar to drink, here's the thing. There was an archaeologist, a group of archaeologists that were excavating and, and just like a finding things underneath the ground of Jerusalem. And when they saw the, the toilet, they were pulling up, uh, you know, the toilets from underneath the ground. And they were fascinated because of the expensive nature of, of these toilets that were made in those days, right? Those toilets were made out of like a 
uh, expensive stones like a, you know, granite and so on and so forth. But when they pull those toilets, usually the toilets will have a hole at the bottom, right? But these toilets not only had the hole at the bottom, but they also had a hole in the sides of those toilets. And so they were trying to figure out why would they want to have a hole in the sides when they need to have a hole only at the bottom? And then when they researched, they found out when the rich people were going to the bathroom, there were people hired to wash their back. And, became, and this became like a, a, a cleaning service and that the Romans were, were hired to clean the rich people's back after they go to the toilet. And so, when Jesus was on the cross, you go ahead and read the Bible verse. There was a soldier standing there, right? Because in the Roman army, these soldiers were given some tools. They were given vinegar, uh, and they were given also a, a, a big stick with a sponge on the end of it so they can actually use that instead of like, you know, um, for cleaning. They were given tools. And here, while Jesus was on the cross, there was a soldier standing there with a bucket of vinegar and a sponge. When he said he was thirsty, this man shoved that vinegar into Jesus' mouth. Jesus knew exactly what it was, and he was refusing to take when they were pushing it into his mouth. And Jesus should have felt like this is the end, this is the most gruesome treatment a human being can, can have. But still, Jesus knew this was already prophesied and I need to suck that vinegar out of that sponge. For what? Why was this all taking place? Because he knows that when he completes everything that was written, the promises and the prophecies, he knew that every one of us that is on this line right now, every one of us on this earth right now, he wants to take them all to a place where he can have a fellowship with you and I. There is going to be a time that we would see him face to face. There is going to be a time where the red river of redemption joins with the golden river of redemption. God loves you and me so much that he doesn't want us to be separated and go to this eternal separation. And that's why the cross is important. When, when the, uh, um, you know, when Alexander the Great was just like a conquering the whole world, he came to this place called Waterloo. 
In this place of Waterloo, Alexander lost the battle. And later, he just like, you know, brought all his generals and he just like told them, pointing to that red spot that indicated the Waterloo. He said, if only that red spot is not there, I would have conquered the entire world. This is exactly what the Satan would be saying right now. If only that red spot did not happen on the Calvary, I would have won and taken the entire world. And Jesus says, it is finished, Palestine. He has given a new meaning to redemption. He is, you know, the, the, the thing that just like, you know, amazes me is this. John 3.16, we have, we have read so many times, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. He gave his only son to die on that cross. Right? If only, you know, God says, you know, who would you die for today? If God turns around and asks this question, who would you die for today? The list that we make will be very small. For some of us, we will write, I would die for my son. I would die for my daughter. I would die for my wife. I would die for my mother. That list will be very finite. But if the same question asked, you know, about would you send your son or daughter to die for somebody else? Who would you send your son or daughter to die for? That list that we prepare will be blank. I don't think any one of us will have a guts to send your son's name or your daughter's name. But, you know what God has in his list? Your name and my name. He gave his only son. And, and the thing is this, in those days, when the soldiers go for the battle, when the, the battle is over, they will turn around, come back to the king and say, tell us die. He's not going to give up on any one of us in this battle. He didn't say, I was finished. He said, it is finished. Whatever that needs to happen at this point in time, Jesus was saying, there is no more. That's why I really like what uh, Pastor Lockridge has said, you know, uh, when he talked about he is my king. There is a portion in in that lyrics that he was talking about, the, the message that he was talking about, you know, he says, he is, he is my king. He's my king. He goes on to talk about how big his king is when he talks about Jesus. But at the very end, he says, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. I couldn't find any fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. 
death couldn't have him. The, the grave couldn't hold him. Right. And that's the king that we serve today. As we come back, one of the words that is, is, is recorded also in the book uh, is that, you know, after he says it is finished, the Bible says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He willingly gave himself on the cross. The thing is this. There was a, an, a, 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 an a author, Hamilton, when he wrote about this, he, he says that the darkness seems to be prevailing in life that it takes a faith even to talk to God, even if it is to complain to him. These last words of Jesus from the cross show his absolute trust in God. He says, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. This must be a model prayer for you and me this afternoon. It doesn't matter what the news that we get from the doctor, what is making us afraid, what is making us, you know, to face a difficult moment if only we are like him to just like commit everything to God, even on the dying cross, he committed himself into the hands of the Father. He knows that this is the, the safest place that he can leave himself with. Because at this point, you know, what Jesus did not only fulfilled the prophecies and the promises, but he also completely surrendered himself on the cross. You know, there is a, a moment today that every one of us, you know, have to realize how much he has done the the nature of like his journey what what Jesus has done on that rugged cross when he finished he just like gave himself as a sacrifice he paid every one of our debt debt in fact the cross the the vertical horizontal cross that goes up just like a is a connection between the the human race with God and then his grace and mercy extended sideways is exactly what Jesus did on that rugged cross. When he said, it is finished. I'm going to read this verse from Rick Renner. And my prayer this afternoon is this. That even before I actually do the, that, that last part, uh, uh, there is a place in the Bible, uh, in Isaiah chapter 53, it says that he is despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief, and he hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and did not esteem him. Jesus on the cross was just so disfigured. A lot of things happened to him from the previous night. And right at this moment, what, what people saw is what, uh, you know, I saw Rick Renner talking about it. 
And he says in his book, as he was writing down um, about the cross, and he says, no death was more scandalous than the death on a cross. Such a death was dreadful and hideous, designed to discredit and tarnish the memory of the one dying. Blood wrenched Jesus' torso, pouring from his head and brow, running like rivers from the deeply torn flesh in his hands and feet. The effect of scorching that Jesus had received in Pilate's palace began to take its toll as his body swelled up and became horribly dishonored. His eyes were mated with the blood that poured from the wounds in his brows and the wounds caused by the crown of thorns that bore down into the skull as the soldiers pushed it hard upon his head. The whole scene was ugly and unsightly, repulsive, sickening, wild, foul, and revolting. In the Jewish world, this kind of nakedness was a particularly profound shame because the body was made in the image of God and Jewish people believed it was a, a great dishonor to display a naked body. That's what the Romans have done. But Jesus says, it is finished. No more of death. No more of an authority. There is no more of that condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. As I wrap up this uh, afternoon, I, I, I just uh, uh, remember this song. There is power in the blood of the land. That is what is exposed at this moment in time. There is power in that blood. There is a wonder-working power in that blood. And the, and the verses go like this. Would you be free from your passion and pride? There is power in the blood. There is power in the blood. Come from the cleansing to a Calvary side. There is wonderful power in the blood. Would you be whiter, much whiter than snow? There is power in the blood. There is power in the blood. Since stains are lost in its life-giving flow, there is wonderful power in the blood. Would you do service for Jesus, your King? There is power in the blood. Power in the blood. Would you live daily his praise to sing? There is wonderful power in the blood. Here's, here's the truth that you and I now have an authority over the enemy because of what he has done on that rugged cross. When he said, tell us die and offered himself as a sacrificial lamb. Praise the Lord. Brother Vince. Amen. Tell us die. Powerful words spoken from our Lord and Savior. I thank you, Lord, for sending your son on a rescue mission for the human race. Rescue mission from Genesis to Revelation is the purpose of you being born. 
that sent to this earth to rescue us all, to give us eternal life. Lord, and it was finished on that cross. Your son suffered a brutal, painful, shameful death on that rugged cross for you, for me, for all of us, because we so we deserve that. I'm overwhelmed, overwhelmed by what you did for me, for us, overwhelming. And as we just meditate on those words today, from Cyril, from your servant Cyril, from the word that you've given us, that you paid that debt once and for all on that cross, by shedding your blood. Uh, um, it's hard to put in words, and really no words are to explain the appreciation of the debt we serve, that he paid that debt for us. So, with that, tell us thy, it finishes complete. No actual work is need to be done on our behalf. Amen. Sarah? Amen. Lord Jesus, we bow before you in humility and ask you to examine our hearts today. Show us anything that is not pleasing to you. Reveal any secret pride, any unconfessed sin, rebellion, or unforgiveness that may be hindering our relationship with you. We know that we are your beloved children, having received you into our hearts and lives and having accepted your death as penalty for our sinfulness. The price you paid covers us for all time, and our desire is to live for you. As we take the bread representing your life that was broken for us, we remember and celebrate your faithfulness to us and to all who will receive you. Thank you for your extravagant love and unmerited favor. Thank you that your death gave us life, abundant life now and eternal life forever. We receive this bread in remembrance of you. And in the same way, we take this cup representing your blood poured out from a splinter cross. You are the supreme sacrifice for all of our sins, past, present, and future. Today, we remember and celebrate the precious gift of life you gave us through the blood you spill. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Before we go into taking part in the communion, here's what I want us to do. There are times that we just like to take, like things that we say to somebody else that would have left some scars in their heart and their minds. There are things that we didn't mean to say, but we have said, and it has come out of our mouth. Some, some of those you may remember, some you may not remember. Right now, this is a moment for us to leave everything at the cross. We don't need to carry any of those to the next moment in our life, which is going to leave. If there is anything that comes to your mind that you've said to somebody that's hurtful, now is the time to leave that at the foothills of Calvary. 
in your life that you've been praying for because they're lost. Could be a wife, could be a husband, could be a son, daughter, or your brother, sister, mom, or dad. I don't know who it was, who it is. I want you right now to remember that person because there is no better time to remember them than at the cross right now as we are sitting down watching things unfold in the life of Jesus. He did that for your sins. He did that for my sins. He did that for saving the whole human race. If there is anyone in your life that you have been praying for years, I want you to remember them right now before we go into communion. Remember their names. If you're all by yourself, call their name out aloud. Call that name out. Because there is a time that Jesus, when he was on the cross, he was ready to wipe out everything that the Romans had done to him. It doesn't matter how big or how wide of the problem that they have done to you or they are doing to themselves. This is a time to just like a sign to them all. Father, we lift up every one of those names into your mighty hands, Lord, right now. God, as you open and look at this wide spread world, Father God, the millions and billions of these people, Father God, that is still lost right now, Father God, we bring the loved ones that are close to us right now into your hands, Father God. We want to surrender them into your mighty hands. God, you take every one of our names and write them in the book of remembrance. Hallelujah. On the night before this happened, Jesus brought his disciples together and he was sitting down to have a supper and he said he took the, you know, the cup and the, and the bread and he was just like a, you know, gave thanks and he broke the bread and said to them, this is my body, which is for you. When he said that verses, nobody really realized how he was going to tear apart his entire human body as a sacrifice given to those people in that room and to us. So, as we remember what he did on that rugged cross, the body that was offered, you know, he, he just told them to take this bread as he broke and gave it to his disciples. Take this bread and eat it. This is my body broken for you. Go ahead and take the bread that you have. In the same way, he took a cup 
And he said to them, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Go ahead and take the drink. Hallelujah. 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 The conference has been unmuted. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Father God, we come before your throne of grace right now, Father God. Whatever, Father God, the things that are separating us from you, Father God, we want to leave them right now. Yes, Lord. We don't want to carry any more of this, Father God, bitterness in our heart. Any more of anger and anguish, Father God. Any more of this anxiety, Father God. Any more of this separation, Father God. We wanted to leave them right now. In Florida. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We want to leave them right now at the foothills, Father God, as we leave this afternoon. Oh, yeah. Father God. We don't want to hold on to the past, Father God. Father God, if the enemy comes to remind any one of us about the past, Father God, help us to remind him about the future. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Remind him that there is a, a, a place that we go to, Father God, that nobody, Father God, can stop us from going into because of what is already done on that rugged cross. God bless our children bless our family this evening Father God in faith we sprinkle the blood of the Savior all over our house Father God because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus Hallelujah Hallelujah there is no place for the enemy in our homes Father God There is an authority that you have given and relinquished authority from the hands of the enemy. Father God, help us to remember that same authority as we walk every day. Yes, thank you. you, We surrender ourselves into your mighty hands. God, you take the glory and honor in Jesus' name.